guess, if you want. <laughs> I'm going to read a few verses after the, before we start. Um, remember what we've been talking about? Talking about uh, ministry and uh, different types of ministries in the church. Uh, things we can do. Because there's always something we can do. Um, so tonight we're going to talk about everyone's favorite thing. Serving. Something that we all... Anyways, we're going to do it, but uh, Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 to, tw 26 to 28, says, But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister or, or servant. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his, give his life a ransom for many. Um, Romans 12 and 7 says, For ministry let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching. And over to John chapter 13. Um, the story about Jesus. Um, verse 4 says, He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured the water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Verse 12 says, So after he had washed their feet and taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that is sent greater than he that sent him. <clears throat> we'll get into some more stuff in Philippians later. But when we um, think of ministries... Serving's not always the first thing that we think of, right? Um, you know, there's a lot of other ministry-type things that get all the attention, preaching, uh, missionary work, um, <clears throat> you know, prophecy, singing sometimes, you know. All these sort of flashy yes. things seem to get the attention. And we say ministry, that's what we think of, right? Most of the time. But every ministry that is given by Jesus is important. And that includes serving. And in my opinion, serving is one of the most important things that we can do as Christians. Because everything else relies on that. If you're not willing to serve, I don't want you preaching. I don't want you singing. I don't want you doing anything if you're not willing to do whatever. If Jesus was willing to wash his disciples' feet, then we should be willing to do whatever Amen. God asks of us. But there's challenges that come with serving just like anything. One, the first thing is there's a misconception sometimes about what serving is, you know. There's other things that go along with it. There's personal issues people have, um, maybe even just relationship issues. You don't want to serve somebody you've got history with, maybe. 
You know, you don't want to deal with somebody that you don't get along with. You know, sometimes that stops us from from serving. Sometimes there's attitudes that are involved, egos that are involved. This is going to be some good stuff tonight. (laughs) Fortunately, the Bible isn't silent about how to answer the call to serve effectively. And we can find that there's great joy in serving. So today we're going to talk about developing that um, servant attitude and using Jesus as an example, because that's who we're trying to be like anyway, right? <clears throat> so first thing we need is a ministering mindset. We, you know, if we want to serve, it starts with our mind, our mindset. It starts with the right attitude. In order to serve, you need to have the right attitude. Philippians chapter 2 Verse 2 to 4 tells us about the right kind of mind that we need to have in order to serve. It says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So look at other people like they're better than you. You're not better than anybody else, but look at them, like treat them like they are better than you. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And <laughs> that's some important stuff there. Yes. Don't look at what you have so much, but look at what others yes. have or what others need. You know, don't look at what I need all the time, but look at what I can do to help right. somebody else. You can't serve somebody and think that you're better than them. It doesn't work. You can't do that. <laughs> so the first thing that needs to go when we try to serve or try to do what God's asking of us, the first thing that needs to go is our pride. Right. Is you can't, you can't do it. You know, if I think I'm better than you, I'm not going to wash your feet. That's right. I'm not going to help you do the dishes. I'm not going to help put up tables or take down tables. I'm not going to help mow the lawn. I'm not going to do any of this stuff if I think that I'm better than you. You know, that's an, that's an issue yes. that we need to get over. Yes. The first thing that needs to go is pride. We can't feel like we're better than anybody else because if we do, we're not going to, we're not going to serve. And if Jesus you know, could serve his disciples and he was God Almighty, Amen. surely we can get over ourselves. Yes. <laughs> the second thing we need to do is love. Love is the beginning. You won't serve people you don't love. You know, if you don't love someone or you hate someone, you may do something for them, but without the love, it's not going to have the same effect. In Bible college, we had a cook um, that didn't seem to care so much about us. I think we got on her nerves a lot. I'm not going to mention names. She's a lovely lady. I got along with her, but in general, I feel like there was something missing. She, maybe she just didn't love her. Some people don't like to cook. Some people just do it. You know, I've worked in restaurants. Some people love it. Some people just do it because that's the only job they can get. Right? Some, and then there was another lady that would help sometimes, and she just loved it. And you could tell it. You could taste Amen. the yeah. difference. Amen. You know, when she made the rolls, you knew that she was there that day. There was something 
different. She loved it. I don't know. You can tell. Well, some people do it out of duty and some people do things out of love and you can tell there's a, a difference. Yes. Right? Yes. Amen. So the love needs to be there. Yes. And that's the beginning step to develop a serving mindset. Yes. You can't serve somebody you don't love. So we, first off, we need to get rid of pride. And yes. second, we need to love. Amen. Or we're not going to do anything for somebody. If you don't love them, you're not going to care. If you don't care, you're not going to... You're not going to help. <clears throat> in Philippians 2 and 2, Paul gives the um, foundational attitude for servanthood. He asks the saints in Philippi to have the same mindset of love that Jesus modeled. You know, when I love you and you love me, as Barney said, <laughs> a big happy family. But when I love you and you love me, it brings us to unity. It brings us together. You know, love is what brings us, brings us together. <laughs> and if I love Jesus, and if we love Jesus and we love others, and that's the key to unity, that's what brings us together, that makes all this possible. Well, when we don't, and we're fighting with each other, and I don't like you, and you don't like me, and whatever, you don't like my family, you think they're annoying, whatever, sometimes, whatever. But, you know, if we're, we're just, we're doing this, you know, it's not going to work. No. You know, you're not going to want to help because you don't want to be around me or I don't want to be, whatever. You know, that's, if we don't have love, yeah. we don't love each other. So we, first we need to get rid of pride and second we need to develop a love for the church and a love for each other yes. and a love for God. Yes. All of that needs to happen. Yes. Well, we're never going to get anywhere. That's right. <clears throat> if you don't love you're not going to go out of your way to help somebody. You're not going to go out of your way to do anything for anybody. Some people may do things out of duty, but it, it doesn't have the same effect. It's not going to last. Um, you may do something because you're asked to do it. You may do it and just get the job done, but there's something that's, that's missing. You may do it begrudgingly. You may complain. You may badmouth. I don't know. You've all worked, right? Somebody tell your boss tells you to do something, you know, this guy's an idiot, right? And you're complaining about them. You may get the job done, but it may not be as done as well as if you really loved your job or loved, you know, that person you're working for. The job may get done, but there's some harm that happens too, right? Another thing we need is um, to esteem others. The Philippians, they had an opportunity, the Bible says, to make Paul's joy complete. Paul had joy because the Philippian church had partnered with him in ministry. Philippians 1, verse 3 to 5 says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests of joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So they brought joy to him because yes. of their relationship together. And he asked them in Philippians 2 and 2 that we read that, they needed to be, um, the joy would be complete by being like-minded. Yes. So to have complete joy for Paul would be to have the church united in spirit, united in love, united in um, yes. mindset, united in purpose. Yes. The same with God. God receives joy when the church is united and the church serves each other and serves the community and serves, serves God. <clears throat> the church in Philippi, 
It had some sort of division or some sort of disagreements. And that's why Paul said um, there's some, some of the likely reasons in Philippians 2 and 3 were strife and vain glory. There was these things going on. There was some strife. There were some disagreements in the church you know, that they needed to get over. The new King James Version uses the term selfish ambition or conceit. And when we put away selfish ambition and we put on humility, we become considerate and we turn away from divisions. And divisions or divisive attitudes generally hurt serving. When we make divisions in a church, you know, this group versus that group, uh, we like the pastor, we want to get rid of him. <laughs> I don't believe this, I believe this, you know. And we become divided, we stop serving each other because I don't like them and I don't agree with them, so I'm not going to go out of my way to help them because they get on my nerves. Or I just don't like, you know... I don't agree with them. They're whatever, fill in the blanks. And when we get these sort of divisive things happening, it really affects church. It really affects um, serving. In the church I'm from, the pastor was found or caught in an awkward situation. And whether you thought he was guilty or whatever, whether if he did or he didn't, whatever. Just try to stay out of it because, you know, whatever. But I watched friends of mine and people I had looked up to, I watched them start making divisions. And they just made these lines that, you know, it's either you're on my side or you're, you're against me. Or, you know, it's this side versus that side. It's me against them and they made these divisions and the more they got into it the further they got away from God and the further you know the further they got into it the less involved they they were the less willing they were to serve and my friend used to be the youth pastor he used to preach you know better than I could ever preach and he used to, you know, he wanted to pastor and he had these opportunities and these things that were available. But as this got in the way yes. and this divisive sort of spirit got a hold and started working, he just slipped further and further away through the divisions until no longer, he's no longer serving even God right now. Because we allow, he allowed these things to divide. And when we allow things to come in, to the church to come into our lives that divide us it really hinders everything you know you don't want to serve anymore because I can't stand that group or this group and we develop all these things and we just slowly slowly slip further and further until we're gone divisions only hurt the church and hurt ourselves and unity is what God wants from us unity is is healthy. So another thing that we need in order to serve is we need to look out for others. Being considerate means looking out for others or thinking about how one's actions affect others. And that's a form of ministry through serving, uh, through, through caring and through loving. It doesn't mean that we need to obsess or, or worry about how so-and-so is going to react. <laughs> Because if I did that, 
I'd never make any decisions, right? Uh, we'd never do anything. That thing would still be here. Praise singers would still be sitting over there. So a stack of chairs at the back, or whatever. All these little things that we've changed. But being considerate means looking out, not worrying so much about what other people are going to think, letting that affect you know your walk with God or anything. But we ask God and we pray and we consider the effect that our actions have on others. You know, we talked about how there were people that um, you know didn't see anything wrong with eating the meat that was offered to idols, right? And there were other people that struggled with that sort of thing because of their background and where they had come from. And, you know, they, the ones that didn't have a problem with it weren't being very considered or caring what other people thought. And that's, you know, not, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be considerate. <clears throat> so we need to ask God and we need to pray and consider the effect of our actions on others. And, you know, sometimes we can be tempted to do something just to upset somebody, because we can. I don't know if I'm the only one, right? I'm not, I'm not maybe I am, I don't know. If you are, just bury your head in the sand. <laughs> but sometimes we can be tempted to do something just because we can. You know, this person did this, so I'm gonna do this because I'm right. <laughs> and I'm gonna do it anyway, but you know, we end up Causing a division instead of being considerate. You know, I want to upset this person because they upset me, you know. They can just get over it. They can just grow up. I don't care. <laughs> Has anyone ever said that? Yeah, just me. I say it to my wife all the time. Not about her, but about... <laughs> and that could be true to an extent. Some people do need to grow up. Some people do need to get over some things. But in the end, we need to pray and we need to let God lead us and guide us and do everything in love, not just because we can. Do it because God wants us to. Be considerate. Don't obsess and worry about what other people are going to think or say, but at the same time, don't be petty and be a jerk about it. (laughs) We need to be considerate and flexible and willing to adjust because some things take time. You know, some people take time to adjust to, yes. to things. Yes. That's something I'm trying to deal with and work with. I understand, but sometimes I get impatient and I'm sorry if I offended you. I'm moving too fast with some things. I don't know, but I'm not doing it to make you upset. But, you know, but consideration also goes both ways. Sometimes a leader or somebody making decisions, you know, we need to realize that the decisions we make affect others, and others sometimes need to realize that the things need to be changed sometimes in order to grow or to move forward. So it takes there's no considerations on both sides. It's not just me worrying about what you think, but you you're trying to see my point of view or me trying to see your point of view. It goes both ways. It's not one against the other. We're all together, right? Not trying to cause any divisions, and we're trying to be unified and serve each other. That makes sense. But through serving and through love, we should be able to see the other's point of view. And if not, we need we can pray and we can ask Jesus to help us. 
lot of times in my past, I've been upset with decisions that my, my pastor made, decisions my boss made, decisions leaders have made without trying to see their point of view. You know, I was upset that I never got promoted, but according to my boss, I didn't take my job seriously because I was always laughing and having a good time. But that was just me having a good time because I'm happy to be alive. But to him or her, whoever it was at the time, they saw it as, no, he doesn't care. Which, you know, wasn't the case. We could have talked a bit, but we didn't. But I was getting frustrated because, you know, I wasn't getting promoted when I felt like I deserved it. You know, and there was a pastor I worked with once. And to be honest, we were kind of babies. You know, we got upset because things weren't going our way and we didn't understand the decisions that were made and we threw some fits. Whatever, it happens. <laughs> and now, 10 years later, I'm as old as he was at that time and now, I, you know, if somebody did the same thing to me, I'd do the same thing he did to me. <laughs> right? You know, now I'm in his shoes, but, you know, it, it takes this sort of thing Trying to see the other point. Be considerate. Yes. If that makes sense. Yes. Amen. Jesus is our, our model for, for serving. Yes. Paul used the greatest example of serving that the scripture provides. And that would be Jesus. Yes. And our attitude should be the same as Jesus' attitude. Philippians 2 and 5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So let this mind be in you. The same mind that Jesus had, we need to have. Amen. Yes. We need to be intentional in developing a biblical attitude yes. of serving in humility. Hallelujah. Jesus took on the role of a servant, the Bible says. Yes. Some scholars believe that Philippians 2, um, verse 6 to 11, was a hymn that they would sing in, in the early church. And it says, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. And that name of Jesus, every knee should bow all things in heaven and all things in earth and things under the earth that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God forever. But Paul uses this to show the Philippian church what their attitude should be, and they're probably familiar with it. If it was a song that they had sung, they would be familiar with it. But it starts with who Jesus is and the very nature of God. Jesus is God. He's not part of God. He's not the second person. Whatever he is, he's God. Philippians 2 and 6 says as the form, and the word form means external appearance generally as can be discerned through the natural senses. Jesus was the physical um, image of an invisible God. Colossians 1 and 15 says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? And Hebrews 1 and 3 says, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had laid himself purged to our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And Philippians 2 and 6 says, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. 
So this means that as a man, Jesus didn't use his own deity as, you know, for his own human purpose. You know, as a man, he didn't consider his, his godness, or however you want to phrase it, as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he used it for the advantage of others. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Adam, Adam disobeyed, and he was trying to be like God. He was trying to eat that fruit to try to be more like, like God, to chase after that sort of thing. But Jesus did the opposite. And instead of you know, trying to do that, he chose the way of servanthood. He chose the way of, of mortality. If anyone had any reason not to serve, it was Jesus. Amen. He's God Almighty. He made all this stuff. He made everything. He spoke it all into existence. If anybody you know, should have been being served, it should have been him. But he humbled himself. Jesus emptied himself, made himself nothing. That's what the, the words mean. He could have used his divine powers for his own advantage. He could have made whatever. He could have been the richest person in the world if he wanted. That's right. Just spoke it into existence. Yes. I mean, he went fishing. He sold, sold somebody to go fishing to pay the taxes. Yes. And the money was in the fish's boat. He could have did that every day. Amen. He could have <laughs> threw nets all of, all this money in this fish. He could have did whatever. You know, he didn't have to buy his food if he didn't want to. Trying to keep one loaf and one fish going and just break it the next day. And, you know, he, had, he could have did all these things if he wanted to, but he didn't. He made himself nothing. He made himself low. <clears throat> he could have used his own, you know, his God powers for his own advantage. And the devil tempted him to do that in Matthew chapter 4. But instead, Jesus emptied himself of those privileges and he took on the form of a servant. One example of that is what we read at the beginning in John chapter 13, where Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. Verse 13, or chapter 13, verse 3 to 5 says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand when he was come from God, he went to God. He rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with, all, with the towel wherewith he was girded. <clears throat> so did Jesus stop being God when he emptied himself? When he humbled himself, did he stop being God? You know, did he change this form into a, something else? No, he was still God. Yes. But he humbled himself. And it means that he displayed the nature or the, you know, the nature of God or the form of God in the form of a servant. Through God... Jesus was found in appearance as a man, Philippians 2 and 8. Jesus was fully human. Any teaching that doesn't acknowledge his humanity is, according to the Bible, anti-Christ. 1 John 4, verse 2 to 3 says, Hereby know ye, that, know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And that is the spirit of the antichrist, whereof ye have heard it should come. And even now already it is in the world. Second John chapter, or verse 7 says, But many deceivers are entered into the world and confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and the antichrist. So Jesus was your God in the flesh. And if you say he wasn't, then you're <laughs> against him. Antichrist, it says. But as a man, he humbled himself and he made himself and became obedient to death. Humility and emptying 
described the mindset of Jesus. His whole life from the manger to the tomb and everything in between was marked with humility. He rode a donkey into the city. Right? He was hung naked on a cross. There's no pride in that. He was beaten. He was whipped. He let people mock him. He let people spit on him. He let people rip his, his beard out. He let people make fun of him. And he let people do all these things. He even told people, don't tell anybody that I healed you because he didn't want the spread. You know, he just, he wanted to keep a low profile. You know, he didn't care about, he could have, you know, risen to power if he wanted. He could have taken over the kingdom if he wanted. He could have over the world. You know? He could have did all these things, but he, he didn't. He stayed humble. Humility and emptying ourselves of our own agendas is the mindset we need to have in order to be true disciples of Jesus. If, he, if God himself can humble himself to do what he did, surely I can get over how big a deal I think I am to work for him. Right? <clears throat> the humility of Jesus was complete. The cross is the greatest example of the humility of Christ. Jesus submitted to the will of God at all times, even if that meant his death on the cross. By enduring the cross, he turned this shameful instrument of torture and death into the very thing that we can, we can boast in, the very thing that we can have confidence in. And not in ourselves, not in our abilities, but in the cross. Galatians 6 and 14 in the New Living, it says, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. Paul said, I, you know, Paul had all the education that you could ever want. Paul had all this stuff, and he threw it all away. Follow Jesus. He said, I can boast in all this stuff, but the only thing I'm going to boast in is the cross. The only thing I'm going to boast in is Jesus. Because it's not about me, it's not about you, it's about Him. Amen. And if we want to serve in the kingdom of the King who endured the cross, we must humble ourselves. Disciples of Jesus should have the attitude of humble submission to God. Once we have humbled ourselves, we've begun our journey on the road of servant ministry. You can't do anything for God without being humble. Right. You can, you know, some people start out and if your attitude's wrong, it blows up. And they fade away and they go off in the deep end or they do whatever. But the people that stay humble are the ones that God uses and God takes and does incredible things through. And we all say that pride was the original sin. And everything stems from pride. T.F. Tenney, a great preacher, he said our job is to humble ourselves and God's job is to promote us. And if we insist on doing God's job, he will do ours. Amen. So when we try to build ourselves up and make ourselves look good, God's going to bring it down. But if we humble ourselves, God will promote and God will use if you want to do anything for God, it starts with being humble. It starts with serving. Jesus laid aside his garment, the Bible says, and he took up 
a towel. When Jesus washed the disciples' feet, that was an example of servant leadership, we call it. Leading by serving, leading by example. Jesus knew his time was short, so one of the last things he decided to do, this is the last meal, the last supper, that he's going to have with his disciples. And the last thing he wanted to do before he was crucified was to show them how to serve. That's how important it was to him. <clears throat> time was running out for him. The same with us. Time is running out and time is getting short in our lives. We're, you know, we're not getting younger. Nobody gets younger. Amen. And in the world too, time is running out. Yes. And the one thing we should agree on and try to do in the last days is serve like Jesus did. Amen. Be willing to serve like he was. We can always find excuses not to serve. It's not hard to find excuses. But as Jesus shows us through his example, there's always a place to serve. There's always something that we can do to help, even something small. He just washed the disciples' feet. It wasn't a big thing. It didn't take a long time. It was just a simple act. You know, it didn't seem like a big deal, but it had a lasting impact. And you know, we're still talking about it. There's nothing too small. There's nothing too unimportant. There's always something that we can do. There's always something to do. Even, you know, washing feet, cleaning, yard work, visiting, cooking, helping with the dishes, calling somebody, writing a note, giving a ride, praying for somebody, supporting somebody, do, doing anything. These little things. That is all ministry. That is all serving. And all of these things are important. There are all kinds of things that we can do. And they're practical things. You know, a lot of times we focus on spiritualness. Because we're a spiritual people. You know, we believe in the Holy Ghost. We believe in fire and anointing and all that stuff. I think just froze on me. There we go. <clears throat> but, you know, it's all good. The spiritual stuff is good. But there are a lot of practical ways that we can serve. There's a lot of things that we can we can do. And if we look for it with humbleness, God will use you. And when you do it, and you serve, and you let God use you, he will open more doors to Amen. other things. Amen. You know, if he knows he can trust you with something small, then he'll trust you with something bigger. And bigger and bigger. And that's how, that's how it works with God. He does just, you know, David, anointed king, he still had to be a shepherd for a long time. He had to go to war. He had to do all these things before he ever became that king. He had to serve before he ever became king. But if we stay humble, God will use us and he will open more doors for us. <clears throat> One of my friends, Neil, he was uh, my youth pastor. Not the guy I was talking about earlier. This guy's still going strong. But he started just stacking chairs. He was an older person in the youth group. You know, we'd set, someone would set up the chairs, and you just, that's what he started doing. He just started stacking chairs when church was over, because we had this big, multi-purpose room, so, you know, we would set chairs up for youth, and then he would just, that's what he started doing. He just started stacking chairs. He knew it needed to be done, and then years went by, and all of a sudden, he's, you know, the youth pastor, and he's, you know, impacted my life, but it all started with him stacking chairs. And even still, you go to any event at the church, you know, when it's over, Neil's still stacking chairs. He always sticks around and he always helps put the tables away, put the chairs away. He's always helping. Thank you, 
Because that's part of who he is, and God uses him. Because he's willing to do that. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus showed us how to serve. In John 13, 4 to 5, it says, He rises from supper. We've already read this before, but he rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Jesus gave us an example to follow. First, it says, He rises from supper. He got up. If you want to serve, you need to move. Amen. If you want to do anything for God, you need to get up. Yes. You want God to use you, you want God to open doors, you got to do something. <laughs> you got to be willing to get up. Jesus was sitting, you know, comfortably. He was comfortable. And nobody is ever going to be used who is comfortable. Serving is uncomfortable. Being used of God is uncomfortable, but it's worth it. We will never serve if we don't get up from the place that we're at. And go to the place God wants us to. You know, an example would be um, like a church, a church fellowship or a dinner. We all know that there's dishes that need to be washed. We all know there's tables that need to be wiped down. The ones that serve are the ones who excuse themselves and go to the kitchen to wash the dishes or, you know, start putting, clearing the tables off, putting stuff away. Like Neil. <laughs> you know, these things just seem simple, but, you know, it's, it's the heart. That's the, that's the, the issue. <clears throat> but in order to do those things, you first need to get up. You know, it's comfortable sitting around the table. I'm not going to lie. It's comfortable. But sometimes we need to get up and do something. The next thing Jesus did was he altered his attire to perform the task. He took off his, his outer clothes. He put on... You know, the, he girded himself, it says, you know, it's basically like uh, you know, a preacher taking off, or somebody taking off their, their tie and a suit coat, you know, to get, to do some work. <clears throat> you know, in order for Jesus to serve in this way, he wrapped a towel around himself, dressing like a servant would be dressed. And these additions and subtractions were necessary for Jesus to do what he needed to do. You know, we don't always have to change our clothes, whatever. But there's change that's necessary in our lives. There's other things that we need to subtract. We need to get rid of pride, we talked about. Prideful attitudes. We need to get rid of laziness or self-righteousness or egos or any of these things. We need to get rid of those if we want to serve. Amen. We have to lay them aside. Yes. And add attitudes like love and compassion and helpfulness and caring, you know, these are things we need to put on Amen. in order to serve effectively. Yes. <clears throat> And a lot of times, our thinking, human thinking, is what um, is wrong about you know, what greatness is. A lot of times, you know, we focus on the wrong things. You know, the Bible says, the last will be first, and the first shall be last. And Jesus told his disciples, and he told us, that the one who would be the greatest would be the servant of all. And he showed that by washing and drying the disciples' feet. He required the disciples to serve. After he finished washing their feet, he returned to the place and he told the disciples why they washed, why he washed their feet, and he said that they would wash one another. That's why he did it as an example. He showed them what he wanted from them. His obedience, baptism, foot washing, and bearing the cross are all behaviors that he expects us to follow. He expects us to do. He wants us to do these things 
Jesus wants his followers to do these things because doing so grows his kingdom and overturns the values of the world that you know, cause selfishness and idolatry and focusing on the wrong things. If you want to be like Jesus, we need to serve. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm almost done. Um, are many people, you know, many people are willing to serve and they only need a little bit of guidance, you know, what to do, where they can do it, you know, that sort of thing. And some other people seem to require more, more teaching, more help. Um, you know, some of us are good at seeing what needs to be done. Some of us aren't. And it's the same when I worked at McDonald's as a manager. Like, some people, as soon as, you know, they have a moment, they start cleaning. They see things that need to be done. And other people, I don't know what they're looking at, but they're just staring off in the space. <laughs> uh, it's all clean. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But anyways, you know, some, some people are, are better at seeing these sorts of things and some people need more work. Yes. <clears throat> and some people just don't like surfing because it doesn't feel good all the time. Um, some hindrances that keep us from serving are... A fear of identity loss, you know. People are gonna, you know, they're gonna treat you differently because you 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 serve or whatever. Um, or maybe they don't know what serving is, or just attitudes, prideful attitudes. <clears throat> we can fear losing our identity when serving if we're inse insecure about what God is doing in our lives and what God's called us to do. You may feel like taking out the garbage or washing dishes or cleaning toilets or whatever is below you, below your, your ministry or what God's called you to do. I know preachers that wouldn't even help somebody carry something into the church because that's not my job. I'm like, okay, whatever, I'll help. Just whatever. But some people feel like it's below them. But none of these things are beneath, beneath anybody. If your identity is wrapped up in preaching or singing a solo or leading a thing, a department or whatever, you know, you can't be insecure about that. You, know, you have to be willing to do other things too. Some people can be so wrapped up in what they think everybody views them as that they just don't want, they're scared that if, Oh no, if this person sees me doing the dishes, they're going to, wow. They're going to lose respect for me or something. I don't know. I don't know how those people's minds work, but... Anyways. <clears throat> Does that make sense? Amen. We're okay. Amen. One pastor said this. He said, if you're too big to do small things, you're too small to do big things. <laughs> you know... We have to be willing to do whatever is necessary, whatever needs to be done. Yes. That's what serving is. That's part of a part of the ministry. Amen. Another guy said that ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. When God works through us to do things, that's when ministry happens. Ministry in the Bible is another word for serving. And we need to switch the words, substitute the word serving. And that definition, you know, it gives us an understanding of what serving is. Serving is meeting needs. Ministry is meeting needs. 
And that's what God wants from us. <clears throat> the last thing that we talked about is, you know, prideful attitude that says, you know, I'm too important to do this or I'm too big to do that. Let somebody else, let somebody else do it. You know, I'll wait to do something important. And that's something we need to get over. And that's pride. There's nothing wrong with letting somebody else do it. You know, if I'm vacuuming the floor and you say, hey, I want to vacuum the floor, I'm not going to say no. Right? Like, <laughs> have at her. <laughs> Whatever. You know, there's nothing wrong with, with that. But, you know, I'm not above doing it. Anyways. Does that make sense? Amen. I'm trying not to offend anybody or whatever, but... <clears throat> Pride is when we think, you know, too highly of ourselves. And that, you know, holds us back from serving. Serving God and serving the church. You know, it holds us back from that. And pride has no place in the heart of God's children. We should pray for God to help us recognize pride so that we can get rid of it and leave it behind. Sometimes it creeps in and you don't even see it coming until something happens. You're like, oh, I didn't react right there. But serving is a blessing to God. Serving is a blessing to his church and to the person serving. It's, it's not a ministry that receives a lot of spotlight or a lot of attention. <clears throat> the churches are built, sinners are saved, and disciples are made when God's people grasp the value of serving and begin putting it into practice. Not everybody can preach, not everybody can sing, not everybody can teach, not everybody can play instruments, not everybody can do all of these things. Not everybody's good with money. Not everybody's whatever. Not everybody's friendly. Not everybody can be a greeter. Not everybody can do all of these things. But everybody can serve. Amen. Everybody can do something. Amen. Everybody can serve. Amen. <clears throat> Martin Luther King Jr. said, Everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. Let's see. I hope that makes sense. And I didn't offend everybody. But serving is important. God has called us to serve. There's a preacher I heard preach a message called We're Saved to Serve. Now that's Jesus gave us that example. Let's all stand before we go. We're going to pray together. Let's pray that God would help us with this sort of thing. I'm not just saying this so we can get free labor, we get things done, so I don't have to do anything. That's not what I'm trying to do. No. I'll take it the wrong way. <laughs> but when we are willing to do something for God, to serve our brother and our sister, God will use that, and God will... But do something in our lives yes. and work through that. You know, it'd be incredible. I want us to experience that. Yes. There's something about serving and being humble that God just, yes. that's what Jesus did. And it brings us closer to him. So let's just pray that God would use us. If we have anything in our heart, any pride or anything that would hold us back from you know, doing what God wants from us, that God would Help us see that and remove it. And open our eyes, maybe to you know things we can do, things we can we can serve.
or areas we can serve, people we can help, that sort of. Anyway, let's pray together. Jesus, God, I thank you for your example that you've given us of serving. God, I pray in your name, Jesus, that if there's anything in my heart, God, anything that would come between me and doing what you want from me, and God, I pray that you would help me to see that and remove it. If there's pride, if there's any attitudes, God, I pray that you would open my eyes to that. God, help me to see it, I pray. God, make me more like you. I pray in the name of Jesus. God, open my eyes to see ways that I can help, ways I can serve, ways I can make the lives of my brothers and sisters easier, ways I can, you know, just do whatever it takes, God. I pray in your name, Jesus, God, you would use us. God, I pray, draw us closer to you. God, make us more like you, I pray. In Jesus' name, let your will be done, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.